Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Years ago, I was in a pastor's meeting, and one of the pastors there had had a problem, had one of his church members upset with him. And uh, another pastor there began to give him some advice, and he said, Look, why don't you uh, ask that guy to come to your office with you and pray with you? And just pray your heart. Say, pray, Lord, this is the kind of pastor I want to be. Would you help me to be a pastor to this man? And would you, you know, just some different details and so forth. And uh, let the guy see your heart as you pray with him. And maybe that will restore that relationship. And sure enough, that's what he did. And uh, as he did, indeed, the relationship was restored and uh, he was able to go forward, and he shared with us, and he was joyful uh, that following week uh, what God had done in restoring that relationship. Uh, we all need advice from time to time, don't we? Uh, and the best advice that we can ever get, of course, is the advice that we find in God's Word. Uh, the Scripture says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And uh, the scripture that we're looking at today, uh, Paul is giving Timothy some advice for ministry. Some encouragement, yes, but also some advice for ministry. And this is important for us because every child of God is a minister. Uh, Sometimes people think, well, yeah, the pastor is a minister. But no, all of us are ministers of the gospel. Uh, All of us have received the great commission from God. All of us have spiritual gifts. If you're a child of God, if you've surrendered your life to Christ and put your trust in Him, you have spiritual gifts from God to be used for the sake of the body of Christ. So we're all called to ministry. And in this advice for ministry that He gives to Timothy, there's advice for us as well. And uh, the title of my message is Following Godly Counsel for Ministry. And that's what we need to do as we look at this advice here in God's Word today. Uh, look with me at verse 1 of 2 Timothy 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own power and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me to that day. 
Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant that he obtained mercy from him on that day. You know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. Following godly counsel for ministry. What counsel do we find here? The first thing I want you to see is that we need and to trust in God. Trust your God. Verse 5, he says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced is in you also. Now, he's telling, the, he's telling him this to encourage him, but he's also telling him this to remind him, Timothy, this is your heritage, to trust in God. In the midst of the circumstances you find yourself in, trust in him. Uh, God is able. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who spoke the universe into existence? Aren't you glad that we have a God that tells the ocean how far it can go? Aren't you glad that we have a God who is intimately concerned with the details of our life, who has our days numbered and written in his book, and our, uh, all of these things he has planned. He's beset us behind and before, and he is with us. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. We have a God who has promised to be with us. Listen, if we had a ministry to perform but no Savior to help us in that ministry, we'd be in sad shape. But we do have a helper. And uh, the Bible says that God sent the Holy Spirit to help us in ministry as well. Jesus said, uh, I'm going away from you, but I'm coming to you. Uh, So when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. uh, When he sent the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it's as though I am coming to you because the Holy Spirit and I are one. And uh, he said, I want you to know that I will be with you. I will never forsake you. You can trust in me. Uh, By the way, did you know that nothing is ever a surprise to God? One person says, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? (laughs) God knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. So we can trust him uh, in the steps and specific details of our lives because God uh, is in control. And even in those times of difficulty, even in those times of heartache, uh, we know that God uh, can take even an evil situation and work it uh, for a good purpose. Uh, Paul uh, was saved on the Damascus Road in the midst of an evil purpose. Uh, God spoke to him and he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And uh, Saul was saved that day on the Damascus Road. And God brought about a great healing uh, uh, in Jerusalem uh, and in the world as Paul began his missionary journeys and, and did such a great missionary work. Trust your God. In the circumstances, in, in persecution, we can trust. In many parts of the world today, Christians are being persecuted. Can I tell you something? If Christians are persecuted in America, Jesus will still be Lord. Jesus will still be in charge. We can trust him 
in the midst of our circumstance. Uh, when you're weak, you can trust him. I heard, I believe it was David Jeremiah uh, a week or two ago, I heard him say this, and I thought this was great. Uh, there's a glue that when you glue two pieces together, the, the bond of that glue is actually stronger than the two pieces that were glued together. Uh, the broken pieces of our lives, Jesus Christ, when we come to him and we say, Lord, I need your help, I'm weak, I need your strength. He can infuse us with his divine glue <laughs> that is stronger and so that our weaknesses become strengths. Paul said, take this thorn in the flesh, but... God said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My power is made perfect in weakness. So trust your God. Whatever circumstances you find, trust your God by being obedient to the direction that he gives you in your life. Trust him by persevering when things are difficult. Godly counsel for ministry. Sometimes things will not go the way you want them to go in ministry. Sometimes the enemy will bring opposition. Keep trusting God. Sometimes there will be failure. Keep trusting God. Sometimes you may say, Lord, how is it ever going to be possible for this purpose to be achieved? Keep trusting God. And God will carry you through. Timothy, he's, he's been weeping. He's been struggling. Paul says, Timothy, God is still God. Don't forget where you came from, Timothy. Don't forget the heritage of faith that you have, that you've been taught. God is still God in your circumstance. So following godly counsel for ministry, what should you do? Trust your God. Secondly, fulfill your purpose. Fulfill your purpose. Verse 9. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. I remember before coming to Christ, having no sense of purpose. And how when I came to Christ, how I, I surrendered my life to him and received the gift of eternal life, I had a sense of purpose. This purpose comes from God. God has a purpose for every child of God. Uh, not only to reach people for Jesus Christ, but also uh, to minister within the body of Christ through words of encouragement perhaps, through service, through administration, or through showing mercy, whatever the case may be. But God has a purpose for every child of God. And not only is it a purpose that God just kind of thinks, well, oh, I, I need this over here, and so I'm going to uh, gift this person for this. No, it's a purpose that God had before the world began for your life. Think about that for a second. Every child of God. Listen, God saw you before you were ever born. God had a purpose for you before you were ever born. Talk about significance. I can think of a lot of things in this world. People try to find significance in different things. There's nothing more significant than fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. It may be small in your eyes, in the eyes of others. It may be in the background. Nobody may notice. But if you fulfill your purpose for God, it will make a true difference for eternity. D.L. Moody one time was preaching a series of revival services, and he said it had just been dead. I mean, just dead. And uh, he, was, he was thinking, well, Lord, you know, uh, 
do I need to continue? Do I need to go somewhere else? Do I, you know, what do I need to do? And, and he felt assured that he needed to go back that night and, and continue with the revival service. And what he didn't know was that there was a lady about 2 o'clock that afternoon who began to get this great burden on her heart for God to come and move. And she began to, to weep and decided to fast before God and to weep on behalf of, of her church and, and on behalf of the meetings that they were having. And D.L. Moody said he came that night and there, all of a sudden there was a freedom of the Holy Spirit there and all of these people were saved and all of the, this work of God was done. Why? Because one lady fulfilled the purpose that God had given her for that day. She prayed as God led her. And God used the prayers of a faithful lady in the background to make a difference for the church. Fulfill your purpose. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. That means to die to ourselves, but that also means to be saying, Lord, what is your purpose for my life today? Help me fulfill that. Help me be sensitive to your spirit. Sometimes God's purpose may come in the unplanned events of your day, in the interruptions that come your way. Sometimes interruptions can be an irritation at times. But interruptions sometimes may be God's opportunity for you to fulfill your purpose. So be aware of that. And um, ask God to give you wisdom to live in accordance with his purpose that he's given you. Fulfilling God's counsel for ministry, what counsel does he give us? Trust your God, fulfill your purpose. Thirdly, follow your pattern. Follow your pattern. Verses 13 and 14. He says, hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Follow your pattern. What is the pattern he's talking about here? It's a pattern of sound teaching. Now, you may not have a, a gift of teaching, and if, if, that's, if that's the case, that's fine. Uh, but all of us influence other people, don't we, in our circle of influence. Uh, make sure you are sharing what is true from God's Word if you're sharing something. Uh, a lot of times we get wrapped up in, in different things, but... The Word of God and the truth that God has given us in the context that God has given it to us is the pattern that we're to follow. Uh, Cults oftentimes get mixed up about who God is. The Bible teaches us there's, there's one true God. His name is Yahweh. Our God has a name. Jehovah, Yahweh, the great I Am. Um, he is expressed in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. At Jesus' baptism, uh, Jesus was entering the water and he was being baptized and the Spirit descended like a dove. And the vo voice from heaven came from the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, the cults oftentimes will try to deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They'll say, Well, he wasn't. God or he wasn't fully God. Uh, other times they may try to, to turn away uh, from the plan of salvation that God has. Every false religion, every cult will have a different way of salvation 
than the way that is given to us in the gospel. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's the gospel. Uh, and uh, there, there's, no, uh, there's no confusion about that. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Paul is sharing the basics of the gospel. He says, this is what Jesus said. Uh, this is what the 12 apostles said. Uh, this is what we're all in agreement. James, the brother of the Lord, all of us are in agreement. And I, last of all, me is one abnormally born. All of us agree this is the one true gospel. We take our stand on this gospel. We hold to this gospel because it's the way of eternal life. Uh, so the pattern of sound teaching, the teaching of the Word of God, uh, guard the good deposit. When I was a, a boy growing up, I was taught the Word of God. Um, matter of fact, I saw the lady, uh, my Bible drill teacher the other day, uh, we, we'd gone out to uh, eat in, in Pigeon Forge, and, and there they were standing outside the restaurant. I had seen them since high school. And I told Sherry, I said, this is the lady that taught me Bible verses and gave me suckers for it. <laughs> you know, and I was excited. Um, but I was taught the Word of God. There were faithful people in my life. Our pastor was faithful to teach us the Word of God. I had Sunday school teachers, and, and of course, in my home, my parents were faithful uh, to teach me the Word of God. Uh, it's a deposit that's been given to me. Some of you have godly parents that have passed on a deposit to you. Treasure that deposit. Others of you, maybe not, but you have received that deposit from others. You've heard the gospel and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, hold on to the deposit. Hold on to it. Timothy, you remember your grandmother, Lois? It's Mamay in the Greek. Mamie, I guess. Uh, grandmother. Remember Lois. Remember Eunice, your mother. Remember their godly character. Remember the deposit that they gave you when they taught you the word of God, Timothy. Hold on to it. Guard the good deposit. There will always be those who will try to twist the word of God. There will always be those, the cults and the false religions. Satan will always do whatever he can to try to turn people away from the truth, turn people away from the word of God. We as God's people must hold to the gospel. We must guard the deposit that's been given to us. It's exceedingly precious. Listen, there's only one thing in this world that can give eternal life. And that's the message of Jesus Christ. And his death on the cross for sin, his resurrection and the fact that we can surrender and put our trust in Jesus for forgiveness and eternal life. Hold to that pattern. Follow the pattern of sound teaching. So, fulfilling God's counsel for ministry. What counsel should we follow? Trust your God. Fulfill your purpose. Follow the pattern. Encourage your brothers. Encourage your brothers. Paul says something, a lot of, we'd like to know all the details of this, but he says, everybody in Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. But then he says, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. What's Paul talking about? He, he was in prison. 
Paul had been preaching the gospel. He'd been put in prison. He was about to undergo a death sentence at the hand of Caesar. And everybody forsook him. Somebody once said, you find out who your, really, who your real friends are when the chips are down, right? You find out who really cares about you when everything's going wrong in your life. Paul had many people desert him, but Onesiphorus and his family supported him. And matter of fact, Onesiphorus searched for him in Rome. Apparently came from Ephesus or um, one of the other churches. And, and he was searching through Rome trying to find Paul. Where's Paul? And finally found him and then was willing to go to him. Many of the prisons in that day, if you did not receive food and clothing uh, from people who loved you, you wouldn't receive them. It's not today where, like today where you get three squares a day and cable TV if you go to prison. They actually said, look, you're in prison. If you got somebody that loves you, good deal. If you don't, sorry. That's the situation he was in. Nodiciphorus found him and encouraged him, was willing to risk being arrested himself in order to minister to him. Aren't, aren't you grateful for those good friends who will come to you in the problems and the difficulties you find? We need to be those kinds of people, by the way, to encourage our brothers. I, I remember... Early in my ministry, it had been two weeks. I'd been a pastor for two weeks. And a man in my church called me, and his adult son, he was in his 20s, uh, had been uh, rafting on the river, had gotten his foot. He'd fallen off the raft and gotten his foot hung between two rocks and had drowned. And uh, I remember I went and I, I sat with him and I prayed for him and everything. But I remember just struggling. Um, they were going through, through a terrible time, but I was struggling. I actually didn't want to go see them because I didn't know what to say. You ever been there? I, I just felt like, well, what do you say? What do you do? How do you address this? And I was a new pastor. You know what I found? If you will call on the Lord to help you minister, he'll help you. He'll help you in the ministry. Um, when you don't know what to say and a situation is beyond you, that's when somebody needs you the most. Ask God to give you the grace to minister to people where they are, to encourage uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ when they're struggling. Uh, God gives grace. And, and guess what? God may encourage through one person in a different way than another person. If you've got gifts of service, your way of encouraging that person may be doing something for them. Uh, I've had some of you share, oh, my neighbor mowed my grass for me. That's a ministry. Service to someone else in the name of Jesus. Um, maybe, uh, I, we, had, we had a counselor that shared with me that um, when his, one of his relatives had died, uh, some church members came and did their laundry. Now, you may not want somebody in your house doing your laundry, uh, but for, for them, he said, that ministered to us so much, it comforted us so much. To have that service performed. Others may minister through words. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a scripture verse that's shared. Uh, maybe it's just a simple affirmation. I'm praying for you. I've not forgotten you. Um, but we need to be open to be used and encourage each other. Because guess what? Ministry can be hard. 
not just pastoral ministry, that's true. Sometimes pastoral ministry can be hard, but ministry in general can be hard. Sometimes people don't appreciate you when you minister for Jesus. Sometimes people misunderstand your ministry. Uh, I remember we, we had a, a kind of a, an interesting time in one of the churches I pastored. A lot of problems in, in business meeting. And um, I was the, the moderator, and so I learned I kind of had to rule with an iron fist as a moderator because if you didn't, I mean, all chaos would break out. It was, it was really bad. And I remember uh, in, in, in taking steps to, to try to keep people from doing things they shouldn't do, a lady came up to me after uh, one of those meetings one night, and she said, I, she said, uh, it hurt my feelings that you told that person they were out of order. I said, well, I'm sorry. I said, I, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but uh, I've learned that I kind of have to keep a tight rein on things because uh, if I don't, things get out of hand really fast. And so, uh, but, but she, she carried a grudge against me <laughs> but because of that. Now, I'm not, I'm not upset with her. You know, that's ancient history. Uh, but... but um, Sometimes people will misunderstand you. You'll do something for the sake of the Lord, for the sake of his church, or whatever it may be, and people will get the wrong idea. They'll, they'll misinterpret your motives. Listen, can, can I tell you how powerful a word of encouragement is when you're discouraged? Um, one man said, I became a painter because of what my mother said to me when I painted a picture. You got some of those those pictures from your kids before, you know, and you're, oh, how pretty. What is it? <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, his mother gave him encouragement. What a powerful thing. She, it, it was an amazing impact that she had on that young man's life because he actually took that encouragement and it motivated him to excel and he became a great painter. Um, sometimes that word of encouragement, I, I just kind of wonder, Timothy's struggling here. We don't know what the tears are about. Several people uh, give different reasons why they think Timothy was in tears, but really the Bible doesn't tell us. But he was struggling. Could it be that your word of encouragement or your service that you do for someone else might make the difference between them quitting? And then persevering in their ministry for God. You say, well, they ought to do it anyway. They ought to do it for their love for Jesus. Well, yes, I know that. But listen, we're all human. <laughs> we all need encouragement. And uh, aren't, you, aren't you glad that, that Jesus didn't give up on Peter when Peter failed? He didn't say, Peter, I told you so. I told you. You wouldn't listen, Peter. I told you, you said, you. if everybody else denies me, you won't deny me. You swore up and down. Jesus didn't say that to him. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Shepherd my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. I don't know if Peter kind of got the significance of that right off the bat. 
Three times Peter failed. Three times Jesus said, I'm not done with you, Peter. I still have a purpose for you. I still have a plan for you. I still want to use you, Peter. I still have confidence in you, Peter. Feed my sheep. A simple encouragement has such great power. Following godly counsel for ministry. What counsel do we have? Trust your God. Fulfill your purpose. Follow your pattern. And encourage your brothers. And as you do that, God will use you to minister in the lives of others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us counsel for ministry. Thank you, Lord, for the great example our Savior gave in ministry when he gave himself up for us. Offered himself willingly to go to a cross to pay the price for our sin. Father, help us to walk closely with you so that we can be encouraged ourselves. We can be renewed and refreshed.